Hello, and welcome to HRI's Next in Health podcast. I'm Igor Belokronitsky, a principal with PwC Strategy End, where I help leading health organizations with their strategies and operating models. And I co-host the podcast with Jenny Colapietro, who is a vice chair for health industries working for pharmaceuticals, medtech, payers, and providers. And today, I am excited to welcome Rohit Nayak, Kaylin Hong, and Shri Murti to the podcast. All three of them are with Strategy End, and all three of them help health organizations drive their transformation to create greater value for all the stakeholders in our healthcare ecosystem. And today we have a very important topic because today Rohit, Kaylin, and Sri will tell us how we all can help improve the practice of medicine for physicians. So welcome Rohit, Kaylin, and Sri. Thank you, Igor, for having us. I'm really excited to get the party started. Excellent. Excellent. So over the past few months, we've had a number of conversations on this podcast about probably the most important and most difficult topic in healthcare, which is people. We've talked about burnout among the physician and nurses. We've talked about shortages, and we're going to continue that conversation today. And the exciting part about today's conversation is the team that's with us here is not just going to admire the problem and talk about all the challenges, but they're also going to help us think about what are the things we can do to fix it and how various health organizations can make the practice of medicine better for physicians so that we can continue attracting and retaining great physicians that we need. We want to encourage physicians and we, in particular, We'll talk a lot today about independent physicians, and we do want to encourage independent physicians. They bring entrepreneurship, they bring innovation, and they bring competition, and that creates great benefits for health consumers. So perhaps to start with, Rohit, Kaylin, Shri, you've been out there doing work and surveying physicians to understand how they feel and what their experience has been like. So tell us what's going on nationally in the physician environment. Sure, Igor. This is Rohit. I can get us started on that. So overall, as you know, we're in a very interesting phase of healthcare where the healthcare consumers, which is members, employers, and regulators, are really demanding and paying for services that are generating value and improve experience. And there is also a very common acknowledgement across the entire ecosystem that physicians, especially primary care, is at the center of the entire ecosystem, both in terms of managing outcomes and also reducing costs. And what we are seeing, I think, through our numerous interviews with physicians and surveys, physicians are getting marginalized in the process. And there is evidence to see that the burnout has been especially high with the administrative workload that's been driving physicians to the ground, spending three hours of pajama time every evening, and also the rising in complexity with all the alternative payment models. And the other thing which I think you alluded to in your introduction is we are also seeing physicians lose their autonomy that is driving some dissatisfaction. It's a well-known fact that new physicians joining the workforce would rather prefer to be with an organization versus open their own practice due to the complexities involved. So in summary, I think to kind of address the issue that we need to kind of solve for, We need to create an ecosystem that enables physicians to practice at top of their license and somehow return to their entire joyful bliss of practicing medicine. 
I really like the word joyful bliss, Igor, if you would know it. It's the term that came up in one of the interviews and the physician was so excited to say that because that's how they are used to practicing medicine. And there are elements that make me feel positive. We are, I think, headed in the right direction. All the clients that we've been serving, this is the very common question that folks are still grappling with. And we are seeing big players and across the value chain, like think health plans, health systems, even big box retailers and pharmacies that are investing a ton of money in kind of doing their bit for enabling physicians and based on what their value proposition is. And also we are seeing a lot of venture money that's flowing into the space much more than how it's been over the last few years. So in short, I think there's a lot of work to be done, but there is also things are headed in the right direction. Thanks, Rohit. I love the term joyful bliss. And before we go much further, I want to probe on another term that you use, pajama time. Can you tell us a little bit about what that means? You mentioned physician spending pajama time in the evening. Sure thing, Igor. So in short, after physicians are done seeing patients and delivering care and practicing medicine, they have to spend at least two to three hours recording what they saw, which is capturing notes, matching up codes to kind of the things that they have prescribed, etc. And this is important, especially for the payers, so that they can get paid for the time they spent with patients. And that time is a lot, like it's reducing over time. And there's a lot of technologies that are being used to reduce that time, but still physicians spend a ton of time in the evening doing this administrative work. Understood, understood. Very interesting. And so, Rohit, you started talking about some money flowing into this space, the need to improve the practice and perhaps move a little bit closer to that joyful bliss. Can you talk a little bit about what are the existing solutions in the market today? What's out there to help improve the experience of practice for physicians? Yeah, Igor, I can take this. This is Kaylin. First, thank you so much for having us here. It's really a pleasure to be able to share some of our findings from our survey with you today. I think in terms of how players in the market are responding to this, typically enablement falls into three categories. First, you'd have practice administration. So helping with things, that kind of pajama time that Rohit was talking about. It's budgeting, revenue cycle management. How can you improve efficiency, economies of scale, and improve collections and payments? Then there are things that are more around how do physicians manage this complexity around value-based care. So things around risk-bearing organization operations, value-based contract negotiation, change management related to that. And then there's this third category that's really about the practice of medicine, clinical care management. So things like clinical decision support, care navigation, and then thinking about how you integrate care in new sites, whether it's in-person, virtual, or hybrid models. And so the players in this space who've been receiving the brunt of this VC money we started to talk about have taken on different roles. So bringing different permutations of these offerings and unique business models to serve this really large and diverse market of physician end users. So you'll see some of them offer end-to-end support for value-based contracting specifically through a combination of contractual and clinical enablement. And then within that, some of them might focus on innovating the business model by entering long-term arrangements over the next 20 years as a joint venture. And others might focus specifically on a specific population, so like Medicare. But others might choose to focus on a more flexible model of end-to-end support. So they might think about how do you help a physician that's really just focused on fee-for-service and then provide some of that alternative payment model support when the physician is ready. 
And then you'll see others provide specific capabilities and even adapt their portfolio and positioning over time. There's a number of organizations that started out as just doing revenue cycle management and intake and moved into clinical decision support. Others that moved from just doing data to more comprehensive value-based care. But overall, I'd say the key takeaways are that given the heterogeneity of physician needs, there's a broad range of business models and offerings that can serve market demand. But really, the trend is towards greater automation to address physician burnout and enabling new care models that are primary care-centered, value-based care-enabling that improve clinical outcomes while managing costs. And these are solutions that I've mentioned that are primarily serving physician end users. But I think what's exciting about this is how payers and providers have started to make it a priority. And that's to Rohit's point where you see money from different stakeholders starting to move into this space. Very interesting. So so if I'm a physician, I have this kind of bewildering array of offerings and services and apps and tools and platforms that you're describing that are emerging to meet my needs and I have to figure out which one of them or combination of them I'm going to deploy. And then you also brought up payers and providers and a lot of our listeners are affiliated with health insurance companies and health systems. And so what is the role that they have to play in this process? Because they obviously also want physician practice to be more rewarding and fulfilling and efficient and produce higher quality. So what should the payers and providers know and what should they do? You got this street here and I can, I can take this question. So like Kelly suggested, there are a variety of payers and providers as well, and they are making some big investments as we have seen with some of our clients. Ultimately, whether it's payers or providers, they're all driving towards a few common outcomes, whether it is better quality of care, whether it is lower costs for patients and members while driving excellent outcomes when it comes to healthcare or whether it's enhancing the patient or member experience across the various touch points, whether it's when they're accessing care or consuming care or paying for care. That's really what payers and providers really care about. However, specifically payers care about this because enabling physicians with the right data, with the right technologies and tools helps preserve independence, which I think you alluded to at the beginning of the podcast creation of these independent physicians and supporting them with the right tools and technologies will ultimately create competitive networks, high-performing networks that will benefit the entire ecosystem. And similarly, on the other side, providers, meaning large health systems, they would really care about this because it minimizes staffing shortages, which we have seen has become a problem over time, particularly since COVID. It also helps these large providers build higher performing networks that enhances the value proposition in front of payers and improves interoperability and integration with the rest of the provider's network. And naturally, it's a great way to have independent, high-quality positions in the provider's network without necessarily paying through the roof to acquire them. Very interesting. Lots of compelling reasons to care and to help. And so if a health organization is interested in playing a role in this and encouraging and supporting physicians, how does it get started given all these different options that are out there? So also before even I get started with the response, I think the term health organization has expanded, I would say, over the last few years. Initially, it used to be this closed ecosystem of providers who used to interact with can be plans, systems, etc. Now I think we have all kinds of clients asking us this question and 
it's the entire ecosystem starting from, of course, health plans, health providers, to big box retailers, to digital health companies, to even financial services companies, which didn't really have that much to do with the space. So having said that, I think the jury is still out what's going to work versus not, but we are seeing certain successes in this space. And the success story is basically have two things in common. Number one, I think there's definitely a deliberate phased approach instead of going all in. Leveraging the right partners and having that mindset that you can't do all of this by yourself. So you have to find the right partners to partner in areas which is not your core. And then most importantly, which I think it's a cliche, but I'll still say it, that healthcare is local. So you need to customize your solutions to not just the local membership, but also to the local physician group to manage the complexities in the local region. So having said that, there are three elements that broader any health organization would think about to get started on this, right? Number one is defining what the value proposition is that you bring to the table. And that value proposition should definitely be very closely aligned to what your current market offering is and how you're positioned to the market. And this will kind of help clarify the problem you're solving. And as an example, we've seen health plans double down on kind of reducing the admin complexity. So helping with physicians on core practice administration, right? It's not as the fancy predictive analytics to predict care outcomes, which they do, but this is a very run-of-the-mill solution, but it does help physicians improve their collections, get more time to spend with their members and patients. Second piece is, now that you've defined the value proposition, is what are the capabilities that will help you enable the value proposition? And, you know, Kaylin talked about what the broad spectrum of capabilities is. The important piece is to pick and choose capabilities that you really want to kind of double down on which you want to build, and then also thinking about capabilities that you likely source from another partner or even buy. And lastly, I think, which is important because for any company to survive, you need to have a sustainable financial and a business model. So what's the right business model that you want to pursue? And we've seen that across multiple areas. For example, you can have a business model that pays just for the service you deliver, all the way to kind of taking both upside and downside risk. So I would say this would help you get started, but I think you should just getting into the space, you should know that it's a new space, there's a lot of value to be uncovered, but it's also a lot of work that needs to be kind of put in and very different from how we approached this problem before. In our prior experience, we have helped a broad area of clients having interviewed about 50 to 100 physicians and surveyed more than 1,000 physicians. We have some really cool insights that we can share. I think it would be a great place to conclude this is to let the physicians have the last word. And so, yeah, would love to hear what kinds of things you saw in the surveys and the interviews. What are physicians saying? So something that was really shocking in our surveys is the extent to which physicians don't necessarily trust these organizing GPO type entities that are labeled and identified as MSOs, IPAs, the folks who do ultimately want to help them. A lot of the responses we heard were they're tired of middlemen taking a cut and distracting from them being able to practice medicine, which I think is a valid concern. We'd also heard that 80% of our surveyed physicians believe that they were not part of an IPA, which we know from broader statistics is likely not the case. So I think overall, this suggests that there's an opportunity for more thoughtful branding that better articulates the value these organizations are trying to make and maybe move away from some of these labels and really communicate 
how the capabilities being offered can make your life a little bit easier by decreasing the amount of time you're trying to focus on like coding and capture or negotiating with the payers and help enablement players improve their positioning by making clear what the reduction to physician admin burdens is and how ultimately they're working to help physicians to improve their financial upside instead of taking on that middleman kind of label. And I'll just add on to what Kaylin just said. Yes, physicians really care about a lot of the traditional areas that are underlooked, meaning revenue cycle management has been an issue for several years and there's still a lot of opportunity there. When we asked physicians what are some of their highest needs, not only did physicians talk about new and emerging areas like, hey, we are interested in better IT and cybersecurity, we are interested in virtual care, EMR integration, but also a lot of their needs were very basic, meaning how can we get accurate billing and coding and financial management, which seems to be the case for several years now. And I think there's an opportunity for the enablers who are stepping into the space to actually focus first on the foundational needs, as well as think about the emerging new needs. These are fantastic insights and really helpful for anyone who's looking to build trust with physicians, understand them better and improve their experience of practice and make it more fulfilling. So Kaylin, Rohit, Shri, thanks so much for joining us and sharing your insights. We're hoping for last pajama time for physicians and more joyful bliss of practice. So thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you for having us. Thank you so much, Igor, for having us. It was a pleasure talking about this topic. And as you know, we can talk a few more hours about this. <laughs> thanks, Igor. Really enjoyed the discussion today. For more on these topics and other health industry insights driven by policy, innovation, and care delivery changes, please visit our website at pwc.com forward slash HRI. Until next time, this has been Next in Health. This podcast is brought to you by PwC All Rights Reserved. PwC refers to the U.S. member firm or one of its subsidiaries or affiliates and may sometimes refer to the PwC network. Each member firm is a separate legal entity. Please see www.pwc.com structure for further details. This podcast is for general information purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.